Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Morning everyone. Morning Life Changes Milton. Yeah, it's great to be with you today. Really excited to share this morning with you. It's the first time I'm preaching here with you. And really, and just in prep, preparing for this morning, feel like the Lord's got something in store for us. And just as we pray together, as we read His Word together, that we would open our hearts up. Um, I can't believe it's been almost 18 months since Amy and I joined this community. And we just got invited by a friend. Just a friend came up and they were up in, well, down in Cape Town for the weekend and said they know about this church. Um, life changes. You want to come with? When we went to the evening service in Tableview, it was, was all right. Um, it wasn't amazing. Um, <laughs> And, um, and at that time, we were trying to fall pregnant, and we just heard about this pastor who, when he's around, people fall pregnant. Um, so I don't, just that those are the stories that we heard. Um, so we decided to come to Mullerton, and it's been, a, it's been an absolute joy for us to be here. We really, I can say from, um, from our family, Amy and Lil Zach and I, we love you guys. We really, really do. It's been an absolute privilege to come and to be a part of this. Um, we've been involved in a serving team. We, we were joined linked as well. And I would really encourage you to get stuck in. I think this is a year of new beginnings, of fresh starts, and really to make life changes your home. To get to know the people here. Let them get to know you. Um, Matthew 28, just before Jesus goes, um, he gives us the great commission. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all my commands. And this is our great commission, that Life Changes Milneton is what we're all about. It's about our faith, it's about being discipled, and it's about discipling others. I think we all have an individual responsibility this morning, to firstly to disciple somebody, and then make our lives available and open to, to be discipled. And just to the power of inviting a friend, we were invited to the evening service in Tableview, and it's just a simple invite. And we went and we met people there and then got stuck in. So just to encourage you not to, not to forget about those small things that can make a huge difference in people's lives. Um, just to welcome my dad. Uh, my dad's a pastor. You can, you can hear it, eh? You can hear it in, um, in, in what he said. Um, he's been a, a pastor for about the last 30 years. Um, served the Lord faithfully. Um, and dad, you an inspiration to Amy and I. I just think in the way you've lived your life. Uh, my dad came from a, a challenging um, home situation and met the Lord sometime after school, and really decided he needed to turn things around, and turned his life around, and for the generations to come, it really is inspiration. He went back to university after 10 years of being out, went back, did night school, got a degree, and then felt the call to, to go back into ministry, and finished strong, finished faithfully. So, Dad, it's wonderful to have you here. It's really, it's really a privilege to have you as part of the service. Yeah. So 2020, hey, here we are. You feel it, it's here. Um, and just this time between Christmas and New Year and kickstarting the year, it can be, it can be a different time for, for different people. I think for many of us, it can be a time of excitement. Just if we think back on Christmas mince pies and Christmas Eve dinners, um, can I say this nicely? Some of us have come back a bit fatter than we, we left when we left in December. Um, and that's, that's, all, that's all part of the fun. I think we spend the whole year preparing for December. Um, and then we spend those, those two or three weeks losing the plot completely. Um, but I think also if, we, if we're honest with ourselves and with some people within this community, um, Christmas time and New Year can, can also be a difficult time. I think just if they, we were just sharing in our home group before the end of last year, and people were saying it's, they don't 
they don't feel like it's time to celebrate. They've lost, lost some loved ones. Um, there's been heartbreak in the family. Maybe relationships have been lost. And just if you think of Christmas and New Year, it's, it's actually not very exciting for you. Just there, it's, interestingly, the suicide rate is the highest over that week, over the entire year. And maybe that's, it's just been a tough, a tough time for you. Um, maybe it's been a, a time of reflection, just looking back at the year, celebrating what God has done. I think of Jean and Auri at the back there. They fell pregnant last year. Um, my friend Carl Roberts, he, his things at work changed him significantly, got a great promotion. And just if you look back at last year, maybe you're thinking, Yo, there were some really good aspects of it for me. There were some things that I really did well and things that were great. And then there were maybe other parts of your year where you think, I never want to do that again. Let's, let's not do that again. I can't afford to have the next year to be the same as the last year. And, and maybe that's the space you're in. I just Brett also shared last week that there are going to be challenges this year. And maybe you just think, Yo, if the challenges were the same as last year, then I'm not sure I'm in for it. I'm feeling a little bit nervous about the year ahead if it's going to be the same as, as the one before. Um, and then maybe finally, just the one that I can probably relate to, is maybe you searching over the Christmas period, that real searching for, for meaning in your life in terms of what does my life mean? What's, what am I here for? What is my mission? Um, I was reading a bit of Viktor Frankl um, over the holiday. Viktor Frankl, he survived World War II. Um, he wrote A Man's Search for Meaning. He survived for probably the, worst, um, probably the worst circumstances anybody could be in, in a concentration camp. And he writes this. He says, everyone has his or own specific vocation or mission in life. Everyone must carry out a concrete assignment that demands fulfillment. And, and I look at that, and I go, yeah, that sounds good. You know, like, I believe that, and I do believe that. I think we've all got a particular plan. We've all got a purpose for our life. But maybe you're like me, and you think, yo, I am not sure what my plan is. I'm not completely sure what that purpose is. I don't actually, if we speak about a mission, I, I don't know what that mission is. Um, and I'm kind of trying to keep my life afloat. Maybe I'm trying to keep doing the next thing well, but I don't actually know what I'm called to be here to do. And I, I think just looking at this morning and preparing for this morning, my hope is that we could find maybe some of those answers together. Just look at what does the Lord have in store for us in 2020? What does He say about your life, about purpose, and about meaning? And I've entitled my sermon, True North. Um, for those geography people out there, or those that like walking out in the bush, you'll know when you take a compass, it doesn't point to True North. We know this, eh? It points to Magnetic North. So it points to the, the center of gravity of the earth. A, a fun fact, if, if, there was no, if there was no back plate on your compass, it would point straight, straight down, just interestingly. It's got nothing to do with what I'm saying this morning, but just, um, it's just a fun fact. Um, so it points to magnetic north, not, not to true north. And depending on where you are around the world, that difference varies. Sometimes it can be a few degrees. Sometimes it can be the closer you go to the North Pole, it can be quite significant. And really, my hope and my prayer for this morning is that as we, as we get into the Word and as we hear what God has in store for us, that we could point our lives back to true north. And, and maybe for some, it's a, it's a few degree shift from what's pulling you towards magnetic north. Maybe there's voices or there's things going on in your life that are pulling you in a certain direction. And it's just to, degree, just to make it a small adjustment to go and back towards true north. And it could also be maybe you're going south and maybe you need to flip right around 180 degrees and go true north. I remember just leaving, um, leaving university, one of my 
one of my very first jobs I was involved in. I was a, a, a civil engineer in training at the time, um, and I studied at Tux, and, and one of the first things I had to do was to issue these drawings to a, a contractor who was doing an earthworks project. So we were doing a river diversion. It was these 30-ton excavators kicking up the soil. There was a lot going on. And we were about to, it was a green fields project, so there was nothing there before. They were going in for the first time. And there's different ways that you can reference um, a, a map or a drawing. There's two different options, um, and it's just it's, and it's about which one you use. Um, there's no set industry standard. It's just about which one you use, and there's no right or wrong way. And in my in my naivety, um, I assumed it would be the one thing, um, and it was the contractor in his GPS had, had the other one. And it's that awkward difference. It's not like it's kilometers apart where you kind of know what the difference is. It's a few hundred meters. So it was on a mine in Whitbank, and I got the phone call from the farmer next door that this contractor was with his 30-ton exit was busy ripping the fence up of his farm, busy digging and busy going crazy in his farmlands. Um, and that's how my, my young professional life started. Uh, hopefully I've come a, come a long way since then. But I think just this, a, small, a small difference or small change in what we think or how we go about our lives over a long time, that can have significant consequences. Um, and I think we need to be, be aware of that. So my prayer this morning is that we would be able to learn together, just open our lives up to His Word and just what He has in store for us. So I wonder if you wouldn't mind, um, wouldn't mind standing. I just want to re read the Scripture. It's going to come up on the screen. Um, our passage this morning is from Ephesians 1. So if you have your phones, you can, you can turn there. It says... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined for us adoption as His children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace that He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure that He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of Him who accomplishes all things according to His counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope in Christ, might live for the praise of His glory. And Lord Jesus, we commit this time to You. We open our lives up. We want to learn from You. Our teacher, our rabbi, would You show us the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Just um, looking at this passage of Scripture, it's, a, it's a, a fantastic and a beautiful introduction. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, um, and he's basically giving an introduction to his letter in terms of what, what he wants to say. And he's, he, he, I think, too, he's laying the foundation in terms of a lot of what we believe and is reminding us about how foundational the cross is to what we do. I think it's a wonderful thing and it's a beautiful thing to be in a community like this and it's the way the Lord intended. But there's also a very important aspect of it about your personal faith with Jesus Christ. That it's a, something we share in community, but at the same time too, there's a personal relationship that you need to have with Jesus. And looking back, right back to the start, um, Ephesians 1 verse 4, it says, just as he chose us 
in Christ before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless before him in love. That before any of it started, before the world was formed, before there was foundation, the Lord had us in mind. And just to take us back, I think just to spend a few minutes taking us back to the start in terms of how things unfolded and how we got to the point of Jesus coming to die for us. Genesis 1 verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And just before this, this formless and empty void, this world, and then it goes into this wonderful, beautiful poem song about the creation in terms of the Lord creating the earth. Day one, light. Day two, atmosphere. It's a big week. It goes through the day by days, and these incredible foundational things get, get established within the world. Day six, he creates land animals, interestingly, um, and also humans. So he creates us in his image on day six. And there's this wonderful unfolding of the story where he creates man from man creates woman. And there's this perfect human harmony. Everyone's walking around naked. Everyone's great. And everyone's happy. And I think just as we look at that, it's, a, it's the way that the Lord intended, well, I'm not sure he intended us to walk around naked, but um, the way the Lord intended us to be in terms of perfect harmony and union with him, that there was nothing hindering, there was nothing that was in the way or that was stopping the communion with God. And then for some of us who know the story, the serpent comes along um, and he comes and he works his way into the situation, the snake, and he asks two questions. Interestingly, just two very simple questions. He asks, did God really say? That's the one. And he makes almost a promise. He says, do you want to be like God? Or if you do this, you'll be like God. Um, and I think over the thousands of years that we have been here, things haven't changed in terms of how the, how the devil works, how he, how he moves his way into our life. And if you hear those voices in your head, I would just let a little alarm bell go off to say, if you're asking yourself, did God really say about a promise of your life, in all likelihood, that's the devil. Just put it out there. Um, and also putting something in the place of God, creating an idol in your life, that you want to become like God, you want to put something in the place of God, those are, I tell you, that, is, that deals with 99% of our issues. If we get that out the way, we, we're good to go. Um, and we know that Adam and Eve, they, they eat the fruit, they get corrupted, they feel like they need to find some fig leaves and cover themselves up. Um, and just that we, um, we read in the story, um, and it's Reading through the Old Testament, I think from that point, there's this, this union is broken. There's a fracture or there's a void that develops between the Father and us and our people. And through the Old Testament, as we read, it's about a chosen people that basically miss the mark. People that should know that they are chosen, should know that they are God's holy people, and they, they miss the mark in terms of putting other idols in place. Um, the Lord sends prophets to go and speak to them to go and show them what God is saying, to go and sort of highlight that this is the way to go. But they often, they often miss it, and they don't take the prophet seriously, or they go and do their own thing completely. And those prophets start to also prophesy about this second Adam that is coming. So from the Garden of Eden, there's another Adam that is coming and coming to, to be a re representation of God. They prophesy about the Messiah. And John 3, verse 16, one of the most beautiful um, passages of Scriptures, it said, For God so loved the world... That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And in an obscure town called Bethlehem, this man from Nazareth, this, that Christ was born 
to the Virgin Mary, just that there was something completely miraculous about it, of a virgin that Christ was born, um, and he lived this perfect, blameless life. And just 30 years, we don't see much of him, and then the final three years, there's a lot going on in terms of his ministry, and he's pointing towards the crucifixion. He's pointing towards a reconciliation of what happened right from the start and almost does this full circle. You've got Adam coming in and then you've got everything that goes wrong. And the second Adam being Christ comes to reconcile the fall right from the beginning. And that's really our story of faith in that Jesus Christ then takes on the weight of the world and dies and dies for us, dies the most gruesome death possible, dies on the cross for you and for me. And it's a very personal thing. He dies individually for you. Before the foundation of the world, He chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless before Him. And I think just that we, we are aware of that and that we don't forget that. I mean, if you maybe have been in church a while, we, we, you've heard the story before. Just to be reminded of it. Our lives and the Old Testament is full of people forgetting. That's what we do. We forget. We good at it. I think if just Gabe touched on your New Year's resolutions, that's not, it's not the way to fix yourself. I, by, I mean, my dad went said we're in gym, it's jam-packed there in Pretoria. It's, there's a lot of people there with a New Year's resolution, but by the reality, by middle of January, we forget, and we're not, not even sure what our New Year's resolutions are anymore, um, and we need to be reminded of the work that the Lord did for us. Um, and, and this reconciliation, Ephesians 1 verse 5, He destined for us adoption as His children through Jesus Christ. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace that He lavished on us. Through the cross, through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, He reconciles things back to the Father. We now have access back to the Father because of what Jesus did. And then finally, Romans 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you believe and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And that's it. It's not more or less than that. It's us coming together. It's great to be here. It's great to see friends and to drink great coffee and to be together. But really, the story of Christ is why we're here and what we're doing. And that's foundational to who we are. And just if you're here for the very first time, I would encourage you that this is it. Read in your Bible. Read the Gospels. Just find out what Jesus is all about. Believe in Him. Profess Him with your mouth. And you will be saved. Amen. Amen. All right, just I think, what, we're about 15 minutes in now and to our first point. Um, I just want to just touch on three points this morning. A Gabe special, uh, we all, all joke. I mean, there's no, there's no other way. I think everyone's, everyone's accustomed to a three-point special. Um, <laughs> who needs four points when you can say it in three? Yeah. Um, so just the, the, the very first point is that through the cross is the best version of you. Yeah, that through the cross is the best version of ourselves. I, I, for my own life, I know, I know what the best version, I can probably speak to my wife too, um, what the v- best version of Scott looks like and what the ver- worst version of Scott looks like. O- awesome Scott and average Scott. Um, and, and it's real. And I think for me, and I, I'm sure I speak for many, it's a struggle in terms of we have some idea of what the best version looks like 
of yourself. I know when I'm confident, when I know what the Lord has done in my life, when I'm feeling secure, when I don't feel like I'm comparing, when I'm not cracked in my own issues, I know and I have confidence, I'm a bit edgy, a bit risky, that's the best me. I'm funny, I'm hilarious, that's, that's me. Um, and, I, and that's the best version of me. And I know, I know what that looks like. I've got an inkling of what that looks like. And then there's the, the grumbling, the angry Scott, the I'm so over it, Scott. Uh, I say that a lot, and, I, and, and it doesn't, what does that help? And the sad Scott, the Scott who struggles to get going, and there's this, there's this difference in my own life that I can see between who I am now and who I want to be or who the Lord intended me to be. And I, I think just Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says that the Lord chose us to be holy and blameless before Him. I think the Lord wants the best you that there is. The Lord wants you to be holy and blameless. The Lord, Lord wants a whole person in you. But the trick for me and the big question and the one that we often wrestle with is how do we go from average Scott to awesome Scott? How, how do we bridge that gap? Um, and if you go to the bookstore or you, you actually look anywhere on the internet, you'll see a million ways on how we should do that. And everyone's got their own, their own opinion. Maybe people need to just, you need to meditate for three hours a day. You need to start a new banting diet. That was a big craze. Eh? I think we all fell into that trap at some point. Um, but maybe it's about health. Maybe it's about exercise. Maybe, it's, um, maybe there's a lot going on in terms of what, how do we get there? How do we strive to that next thing? This, this notion of self-help, that we can pick ourselves up by our shoelaces and become that incredible version of yourself just by sheer determination, by setting that 2020 goal list, just listing them, bring it on, all of these things. Um, and I saw this great meme the other day, but just 2017 goals, all of them listed, 2018 goals, just that one again, that one again, 2019, and that's what it is. We set those goals, and it, the next year we just do exactly the same. Just we set those goals and maybe set them a little bit higher, a little bit lower, and then we forget about them and, and never go back to them. And I think the reality, too, is that we only find the best version of ourselves through the cross. And the challenge, it's nice to say, and we agree with that, but the challenge, too, is that what that means for our life is that it actually, it actually means giving our lives away. It actually means giving our lives up. It means laying, a lot, laying down our lives for a greater cause. Luke 22 verse, verse 42, it says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Just before Jesus is about to get, get crucified, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You, can you imagine you're about to die this horrible, painful death, Almost a cry out to say, please, I, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but yours be done. Colossians 3 verse 25, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And I think we need to be honest with ourselves too, in terms of there is a... Um, a wave of momentum in a certain direction in terms of what it looks like for us to take the next step, to improve ourselves, self-improvement. And when we start living what the cross requires of us and what the cross expects of us, it's going to look silly to the people around us. It's going to look sometimes just downright stupid to those who are in our family who don't know Jesus. And I think sometimes I've made that mistake too. You feel like you can have it all. You can do all of it and serve Jesus. And there are times in your life where you need to make that tough call to say, I'm not going to take this next step 
or I'm not going to head down this road because of my faith and because of, of what I believe in. And my friend Nick there, um, just he shared this incredible testimony at the end of last year, just with him in a, in a work environment that he had this opportunity to take the senior position in the company to, to, and all the good things that go with that. Um, and just really in his level of conviction in praying with his, his family, felt like this isn't the right thing for me. Well, what this is going to demand of me and what is going to require of me, I, I don't want it. I'm going to put myself forward and say, look, I want to take a more junior position in the company with whatever comes with that. And just having some understanding of corporate space, it's like, it's like a bunch of kids on a, on a playground. You know, they're all trying to get to the top of the castle. And it's not in Trana and everyone's trying to push each other aside to get ahead. And then you come there and you say, no, no, I'm, I'm happy to take a more junior position because of what I feel God's put inside of me. It goes in direct contradiction to what everything else is doing. And just it was incredible as he shared the testimony how the Lord has been faithful in that situation. That the Lord has come through for him in ways that he could otherwise not, not have imagined or seen. In terms of opening, there was a, a path for him. He took that step and what looked like to be madness at the time, and just that another way came about that was a far better than what exceeded his even wildest expectations. And I think that's the way of the cross, is that as we, as we lose our life, and as we are willing to give it up, as we're willing to be generous recklessly, as we're willing to lay down our rights, as we're willing in a relationship where you feel like, man, I need, if I give this last bit of me away, I'm going to have nothing left. And maybe, maybe in that situation, it's the right thing to lay that down and to say, not my will to be done, but yours, Father God. And I think we need to, need to keep, keep mindful of that. Through the cross is the best version of you. I think just to, just to let that ring with you, that the best you, the whole you, is found in our relationship with Jesus. Um, number point two that I'm going to get to is that through the cross we find our meaning and purpose. Um, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 1, I, I really, I like it. I mean, Solomon is having a proper rant um, in, the, in the scripture. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And he basically, he goes through the list in terms of toiling in the sun, all your hard work, absolutely meaningless. And he's got some, he's got some good points there in terms of generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. No one remembers the former generations. And I think that's so true. So much of what we spend our life toiling about and fighting for and striving for and kicking each other for and wanting to get ahead for is actually meaningless. It really, no, no one's going to even remember in 40 years time what you were pushing so hard for in this, in this thing. And I think sometimes we need to just take a step back in terms of looking at our lives, looking at the loved, the loved ones that are with us, what was the things of substance that, that they held onto that was eternal, not the meaningless, trivial things that we've got? Um, Stephen Covey, he does this great analogy where he, he challenges you to, to look, to fast forward to the end of your life, whenever that may be, and think about sitting at your own funeral. Just imagine that you're there, and they come up, and they need to start somebody whoever that is, your loved one or your family member or your child needs to come and give, you, give a, a eulogy or come and talk about your life in terms of what that meant. And what would they say? Um, 
you know, what would they say? What would they say about you? And, and just doing that exercise, I mean, it may be worthwhile to, to give that a bash. You suddenly start seeing, you start drawing out of yourself the things that are important, firstly, to you, um, and the things that I think starts to touch on some of the eternal things in our life. I know for myself, if I, if I had to get to my funeral at some stage and hear that I was this nice guy who had a nice house and went to gym every day and just looked nice and had a little secure, great family and did a, had a nice, pretty life, I think I would really, I'd really struggle with that. I, those things are good and of themselves. Maybe even to say he made lots of money or he was exceptionally good looking, which are all possibly true things. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> But please, if, I, if those things are said about me at my funeral, I think I'd, I'll turn in my grave. I'll get up there and slap somebody because that's the last thing. That's the, absolutely the last thing I want somebody to say to me, about me at my funeral, that he was a nice person who lived a balanced life and went to gym every day. I think that would really be quite, it would be absolutely terrible and devastating for me. I want, I want people to say that he had fire in his eyes for the things of God that he fought for people that couldn't be fought for, that he helped the poor, that he gave his life for others, that he was kind and caring to people that nobody else wanted to be kind and caring towards. Those are the things that I want my life to stand for. Those are the things that I believe in on a deep level. Yet when I look at my week, in terms of what I'm striving for, I'm trying to tick the box. Did I wake up early and go for a run? Did I go and do this? Did I eat the right thing? Oh, I ate too much yesterday again. That's what, that's what consumes my thoughts where in reality, my life, I want to be dedicated around fighting injustice, about spreading Jesus, about spreading his gospel. And I think it's a recalibration of our thinking that we start thinking about eternal things, not, not things that are temporal, meaningless, as he says. We go to the next slide there. Um, it's probably the, a nice example of meaningless work. Um, as, a, as a civil engineer, I can only smile because somebody... Uh, so this is, um, for those who, on, who don't frequent the City Bowl that often, this is in the City Bowl. It's a, it's a highway that was built and never used. So the best thing they could find to do was to put a Vuvuzela on the end there for the World Cup. Um, but that is, that's meaningless work. Somebody paid a lot of money. There were some engineers that did that rebar schedule beautifully. Um, and it could, never got built. There was a contractor who poured that concrete and it was never used. And really, that we wouldn't get to the end of our life and for it to look like that. The highway that never reaches potential. It's just an eyesore. And it's actually, it's too expensive to take down. So they're, they're going to leave it there for, for the next World Cup. Yeah. And I think we need to just be clear in terms of um, Jeremiah 1 verse 5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That God has a specific plan for your life. I think that needs to drop for us. That God has a specific plan. That Viktor Frankl quotes, I believe it. That there is a specific mission, there is a plan, there is a purpose in your life that needs fulfillment. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 9, He has made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He set forth in us in Christ. And also, it's not this big secret, I don't think, what the plan is for your life. I think it, it can take some concerted time and effort to get to the bottom of it, but I honestly don't think it's a big secret. That It can be found as we push and we lean into Christ. Mr. Willard, Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors, he says that the journey of knowing Christ 
is inseparable from the journey of knowing ourselves. As we know Christ better, we get to know ourselves better. I mean, how beautiful is that? That we, I think so much of what we do in terms of the self-help mentality is trying to understand yourself better, manage yourself better, be a better you. But actually the journey of pushing and leaning into Jesus Christ answers those questions for us. They answer the questions of who you are, who you were made to be. Um, in the huddle this morning, Brett just gave such a, uh, just a little intro for the day. He just said, if, you, if you're a quiet person, be quiet in a great way. If you're a loud person, be loud in a great way. That the Lord has put unique things in each of us that he wants to draw out. He wants us to be blameless and holy before him. He wants the best version of you, and he wants you to be awesome. He wants fire in your eyes. If you're loud, he wants you to be the loudest person in the room. If he's quiet, he wants you to be the best quiet you can be and add value in a way that is unique to you. So I think there's just something so important there. Um, R.T. Kendall, also an, an old bully, I, I like him so much. Um, he, says, he says this. He says, the challenge of every generation is to discern what God is doing and to go along with that. And I think maybe in terms of this question that we have for our lives, um, as we spend time in prayer and in, as we spend time in His Word this new year, maybe our prayer should look a bit different. I think if I'm speaking honestly, I spend a lot of time praying, Lord, what must I do? What, what is your call for my life? Show me your plan. Show me your will. And it's, those are good things. It's good to be praying. It's good to spend time in His Word too. Sometimes I read His Word and, okay, what does this mean for Scott? What, what does this mean for Scott? And it's fine, and that's, that's an okay way to do it. But Archie Kendall, I think he takes it a, a step further or a step deeper in terms of inquiring of the Lord what he is doing in our generation. So, and maybe that's what our prayer should be, to say, Father God, Lord Jesus, what are you doing? Maybe that's our first question. What are you doing in my community? What, what are you doing in my family? What, what, what are you doing in my wife's life? What, what are you doing in my husband's life? Where is there a work happening in my community? And then secondly, how can I get on board with that? And I think there's a different level of maturity that comes. And, we, and in church too, in terms of people that are coming to serve faithfully, it's about saying, um, there's something going on here. God's on the move. And I'm going to pitch up here at 7 o'clock on a Sunday and be a part of that. Make necessarily make me a better person or fulfill me or tick my strength finders or something I can put on my CV later on in terms of I, volunteer, I serve coffee like a boss. I mean, that's not going to, I don't think that's going to give you the next job. Well, maybe it is if you want to go work at, at um, Vida or something. But I think there's a, a realization that we do this because God's on the move. And that's such a, I think when we pray and when we do, when we spend time with Him, that we should take a, take a look at in terms of how we do that. That ask God what He's doing. Ask God what He's doing in your life and those around us and how can we support and, and help that. And then finally, point three, through the cross we get perspective. Um, I've just broken this up in terms of twofold, that we get vertical perspective. So we get perspective, I think, of who God is, who Jesus is. And then finally, we also get horizontal perspective in terms of the unfolding and the laying out of our lives. Um, Exodus, the first one there, 32 verse 1, says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Judah, we don't know what has happened to him. We're so fickle. 
Moses goes up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. This is like he's getting the thing that's going to guide them and become the sort of this, the forming text for the community. And in that time, they're like, no, let's get all our jewelry together, all our gold rings, and put that in a pot, and we make a gold calf, and we worship that. And that, I think we can quickly point fingers there too to say, oh, I mean, what are they thinking? But in reality too, we do that all the time. We set up things in the place of God. We set up golden calves. Sometimes it can be very real things. Maybe it's your car or your house or maybe it's a relationship. And sometimes it's, it's more intangible things like chasing money or chasing security or chasing being safe or something like that. And, and we need to look at our lives good and proper in terms of letting those things go. Through the cross, we find our perspective in terms of God being God and us being us. Um, and then secondly, along that point, is that horizontal perspective in our life too. Um, Gabe has preached on it before, but about this notion of fullness of time. And it's such a, such a beautiful phrase that we find often in the Bible. They, they mentioned it um, in, Ephesians, that, in Ephesians, that he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, that God's plan and purpose for you will be fulfilled and completed in the fullness of time. Not when we think it should be done, but in the fullness of time. And just there's this notion or idea of, um, that we live in an instant society. I think we, we know that. Uh, don't think that's not, that's not rocket science in terms of we want things to be done now. I mean, I can't even make normal popcorn anymore. I tried. I can't. I can't physically make popcorn anymore. I can only make microwave popcorn, which I really enjoy. And that goes down very well, but I can't do it. Um, I, and the pot gets dirty, and then there's washing, and there's oil, and it's, it's a mission. And it's just, that's the society we live in. You want to pop it in the microwave, you want to let it go, and then you want to take that bag and eat it and throw the bag away. And just so much of what we do is that instant, instant gratification. Galatians 4 verse 4, but when, we set, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. That Jesus came in the fullness of time. And I think when we inquire of the Lord, when we ask of him for our lives, let's just bring in that timing aspect too, that there are times in our life when he says to wait. He says it's time to wait. If I just think of the story of, of Amy and I, we, we were young and we, we, we were together for about 18 months, early 20s, and life was great, and we were, but we were young and we ended up breaking, uh, breaking up during that time. Um, and for four years, we were, we call it in, in the wilderness. We were, we were going out and we were in the wilderness. Um, <laughs> no, there were no fig leaves involved there. Um, <laughs> and we were, in the, we were in the wilderness and we were trying to navigate our lives, trying to hear what the Lord is saying. And in that time, there was a deep sense. Amy always said that she, the, the night we broke up, that she felt the Lord say to her that the Lord had knotted our hearts together. And yet we were going our different ways. And it was a very real time. And in that time, too, I felt like I was all constantly asking the Lord, is it the right time to get back in contact, to make things happen, to ask Amy out again, to get married to her this time already? Um, and I think just going through that time, it was a million no's. It felt like a million no's. Every day I'd ask, is today is the right time to ask? There were complications and difficulties, and I just thought, I must go and make this thing happen, and just waited, and it ended up being four years that we were navigating our paths. So eventually, one morning, I asked the Lord again, like the thousandth of times before that, and the Lord said, yes, you can do it. 
You can make contact with her. Went straight back to Facebook, looked her up, did my thing in, in, in social media, and it's always, uh, always two steps away, you can find somebody. Um, and, ma and made contact, and made contact with her, and it was incredible, the Lord's timing. Fortunately, she was still in the market, she was available. Um, <laughs> And, and, we, and very soon after that, we got married, and we started our lives together. And, it, and I can honestly say, if I went back a month earlier of those four years, it would have been a dog show. It would have been an absolute mess. And it was waiting for the Lord's perfect timing in our lives, acting in that perfect time, and then things change. Things, things are different. So what is our response? Just in terms of the, th the three points that we had this morning, that through the cross is the best version of you. Through the cross, we get perspective, and through the cross, we find our meaning and our purpose. What does, what does 2020 look like with, with this in mind, in terms of our walk and our journey with Jesus? Um, the first one I want to suggest, and just three quick things as we, as we land this time together. Uh, the first one is let's, let's do 2020 well. Let's do it well. I just, I'm so reminded of the story of Daniel, um, it says, Daniel 1 verse 19, it says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned him, he found him to be ten times better than all his magicians and enchanters. Daniel and his cronies and his, his mates that were there were found to be ten times better than the, his, the people around him in terms of, in matters of wisdom, in matters of understanding. And I think something we sometimes forget is that he was in a foreign land, they were in exile. Um, he was, it was a foreign language. Couldn't speak the language initially. They gave, they gave them foreign names in terms of what those names were. A foreign king who served a foreign god. So he had everything against him. And I, I think, if I'm completely honest for my own life too, sometimes I find excuses not to do a good job. Sometimes I find a reason for a way out to say, I'm not going to do a good job of this because, and that reason could be varied. So excuses like, this company doesn't care for its people. Or, if only my boss was a Christian, then I would, then I would do a good job. And I just think the story of Daniel, it convicts and it actually throws those things on its head. To say, in with the playing field and everything against him, he excelled and he did absolutely everything with excellence. And I think for our own lives too, just to think and consider what we need to be doing this year, in 2020, what we should be doing well. What should we be doing with all our heart and with everything that we've done? Maybe it's to arrive at work on time, every day. Maybe that's your well for 2020. And make it something small, something that, that incremental change from magnetic north to true north, that we will do 2020 well. Um, secondly, that we will do 2020 together. I think just a reminder of what a beautiful thing local church is, and that we can do it together. Home group, I tell you, we had the Christmas party at the end of last year for our home group. We had a, a room full of people from very different backgrounds, varied people speaking different languages, and it was, it was probably the highlight of the year for us in terms of sharing a meal together with people that we would otherwise not know, and this beautiful thing of Christ joining us together. So 2020, let's do it together. I would really encourage you, join a home group. That's really, it's, that's where things start happening. Join a serving team, get stuck in, make coffee, come and write name badges, that, and you get to, that's where you get integrated within the society. Um, do Bible college, do things that the church has got going, and build in what God is doing here. Let's do it together. And then finally, let's do it with joy. 
I think, and doing it with joy and doing it with a smile on our face is sometimes, and it often is, just a choice that we need to make, that we do it with gladness, we do it with joy in our heart, and we do it as unto the Lord. Um, just as I, as I begin to close and just wrap this up, um, Philippians 2, I just want to leave, leave us with this scripture. It says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firm to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. And I just think that's, that's my heart's cry. I think if I'm completely honest, that's when I get to the end of my life that I would be able to stand before the Lord and say, and for him to say to me that I did not run or labor in vain. I wasn't that bridge out in the CBD that was built and never used, that the Lord, the things that he had in store for me, that I was able to invest in them and to build them and to do his will. And it just says, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, blameless and pure, the best version of ourselves. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And I just, that's so beautiful that us as Milneton congregation would shine like stars. That people, when they go to work, when they, when they hear about in your family that you go to that church in Milneton with that pastor, um, that they would be able to, to say there's something different about that community. Just met, met a couple this morning that just had been invited by a friend. They were Airbnb, um, and they were invited to come and join, come and join the Milneton community. And that we would see something different in our community, that see something of him in our community and what, in what we believe in. So I wonder just as we, as we wrap up, could, could we stand, I think, just as we, as we bring, the, bring this time to a close. And I'd just like to, to say a word of prayer for us as we start 2020, as we begin this new year, um, as we begin afresh. A, a new year is a funny thing. It's just from one year to the next, things tick over like any other day. But I think, I think there's an opportunity for us here to be able to, to start new, to be able to say, Lord Jesus, we give this year to you. We believe you. We believe your plan for our life. We believe you have the best version in store for us. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. We give our lives to you. I give my life. Scott, I give my life to you, Lord Jesus. And each person here, I just pray we would give our lives to you afresh. If it's your first time hearing the salvation story, if it's your first time hearing about Jesus, it's actually incredibly simple that all you need to say is, Jesus, I believe in you. And just to take, just to take a minute, and if it is your first time hearing that word about Jesus Christ, the Savior, the one who died for you, died for you individually, who took the weight of the world on his shoulders and died for you. Just say that in the quietness of your, just the quietness of who you are. Jesus, I believe in you. And I wonder if we could say it together as a community. Just say it all together on three. One, two, three. Jesus, I believe in you. And we believe, Lord Jesus, in the work that you've done on the cross. We believe that you have done something remarkable in our midst. And we are doing something incredible here. To life changes, Milton too, Lord Jesus. We know there is a work happening here. And just as Artie Kendall challenges us, that we would push into where God is on the move. 
we would give our lives to what God has in store for us, and we would dedicate our lives to building your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We give our lives to you. May we shine like stars in Jesus' precious name. Amen.